Well, good morning once again, Bridge City Church, Murraysville. Come on, are you excited this morning? Come on, that should have pumped you up. That little intro there was, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited that you're here. Happy New Year. Come on, you all survived. Come on. Come on, so glad that you're here today. I believe God has something special to say to each and every one of you. Um, we are kicking off a brand new series. Uh, for the next eight weeks, we're going to be going through the book of Acts. The whole the book of Acts in the New Testament. We're going to be looking at this, this book together. You're not going to want to miss any of these. They're going to be all like packed. I know what you're thinking. Like eight weeks is a long time. I mean, if we would really go through the book of Acts, it would probably take 52 weeks, to be honest. I mean, I've found about 52 messages, but we boiled it down to eight. We're going to give you the basic ideas, and we're going to go through this book together, and it's going to be great. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to get great. Come on. There we go. Come on. Awesome, awesome. And uh, so the, the opening verse I want us to look together is Acts 17, 6. And I want us to read this out loud, a real short portion of the verse right here. Acts 17, 6. Can you see it? Can you see it? Here we go. These... <laughs> I, would love to, I would love to be a part of the people that, that everybody says, man, that, those people turned the world upside down. But I believe that we as believers in Jesus, we're the ones who turned the world right side up. Come on, somebody. I believe that. I believe we're the ones. I believe we have what it takes to do that. And so we're going to just be uncovering what the purpose, the power, and the progression of the early church was. And when I say early church, I mean right when Jesus was ascended, we're going to be looking at that church and what they did. Now, when we look at the book of Acts, we are not looking at like, oh, they all sat down and said, we ought to do these things. This is a record of what they, what they did. Let me give you this big idea right now, this big idea. Belief determines behavior, produces behavior. See, if I were to watch your life, I watch, watch your behavior, I would see what you believe. If you believe something, your behavior follows. And so I'm just going to make it really clear. I'm not just after to change your behavior. I'm after your belief system. Because if I can get you to have a belief system that aligns with the word of God and who God is, your behavior will follow that. And too much of what we have in our day and age in our culture and society is we're just trying to do behavioral change, but we have no belief change. And I just want to let you know God is after your belief system. He wants us to, he, he's after our faith, because if we can have a faith in God, we are going to have behavior that follows. Like, let me give you an example. As a church, we've pretty much laid out all of 2022, pretty much all the major events, all the things we're going to do. You, as a matter of fact, you should have gotten an email, those of you that are friends of the church, that we have your info. We sent that out to everybody. You have the whole year. And if you, don't, if you didn't get that email, you're getting ripped off, okay? One of two things happened. Either we don't have your email or else you wrote down your email and we couldn't read your writing. And one of those two things happened. So if you would like to know those things, go back to Connection Point, make sure they have it legible, and we are going to communicate with you. We, give, we have everything mapped out. Now, if you would see what we mapped out, you would see our belief system. See, there's a couple other ways I see your belief system. It's found in the way you spend money and your calendar. If I look at those two things, I'm going to see everything you believe. I'm going to see your, your belief system right there. I'm going to see those two things. They're going to line up. And so as we look at this text and we look at these, this together today, 
we're going to look at belief and how it produces behavior. I'm going to tell you why. Because we have a 2030 vision. I'm not just into just having, making a good, a good couple changes for this year. I'm, I'm looking at 2030. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at 2050. I'll be honest, I'm not sure I'm going to be alive in 2050, but I'm going to, I know this. What I'm going to do today, it's going to stand the test of time, and I'm going to do something and be a part of something that's still going to be alive then. Y'all good? Some of y'all think that's a morbid thought. I'm okay with that. Heaven is going to be a really, really cool, great place. Come on, somebody. Yeah, come, come on. So I'm, I'm after like, what, what, where are we going with all of this here? Where are we going with this vision? Where are we going with our lives here? So here we go. We're going to get through the whole first chapter of the book of Acts in the New Testament. How many of you believe that that's possible? Uh, just for those at home, nobody here believes it's possible. Okay, just every, they, they want to believe, but they're saying, Lord, help my unbelief. Come on. Help my unbelief. We're going to do it, and this is how we're going to do it. I broke this down into an outline for you this morning. These are the verses in Acts chapter 1. First, we have the preface, the promise, the program, prediction, the prayer meeting. Peter takes the lead in the first of many problems. Did you see what I did there? I know what you're thinking. Pastor Rick, you've had too much time on your hands. Come on. Come on, just tried to, we looked at this so many different ways and said, okay, how can we communicate the beginning of the book of Acts? How can we give you not just a way to, to, to make a resolution, but I'm telling you what I'm going to do is I'm going to make some, I'm going to make a decision, not a resolution. I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to get a decision-making process. So here's the big idea. Here's the question for you. How many of y'all would like to get a decision-making process that will help you for the next decade? See, I'm not, just, I'm not just after this couple of minutes. I, see, I want to get a decision-making process that for the next decade, it makes a difference. Okay. Now, my, my, only, my only resolution that I made this year was I'm wor- I'm, I play tennis. I'm working on my forehand topspin. That's my only resolution. I'm going to get me a forehand topspin. Okay, that's the only one. The rest of my life, I'm going to get a, a God-honoring decision-making process, and it's going to honor him. How many of y'all would like to get a decision-making process? That's what we're going to help you for. Glad you're here. Are you ready to go? Are you ready? Okay, we're, this is going to be monumental. We're going to start. Guess where we're going to start in Acts chapter 1? Verse 1. Here we go. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. Okay, so, so here we go. Let, 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 let's just look at this. The book of Acts spans about 30 to 32 years, right in there, 30 to 32 years, written by Luke, the same writer of the gospel according to Luke. So if you look at Luke chapter 1, it starts with a similar idea of addressing Theophilus. And in, in who this Theophilus, he refers to him as the most excellent one in Luke. And he's continuing to write to Theophilus. Actually, in verse 3, as he continues to go forward, he talks about Jesus and the kingdom of God. And Theophilus means God lover. Wouldn't, wouldn't, that, be a, wouldn't that be a great definition for your name, God lover? Oh, no, you may not have the name Theophilus, but how many God lovers do we have in the house today? Do we, do we have any God lovers in the house today? Come on, this is written to you. As a matter of fact, many believe that 
the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts were one book. And actually, they believed that it was so long that actually, um, as people have studied this, they said that they had to break it up into two because the original scrolls for each book was over 35 feet long. And you think it's difficult to open your Bible. How would you like to say, hold on a second? And like, you're going like 10, rather than say, this is where it's at, where you go, just go about 12 12 feet in, you know, that's that's what we, 12 feet in, you're going to find this verse, you know? And so what they had to, at 35 feet, it became too much for somebody to carry. And so they, so many people believe that they had to split it in two books. So everything Jesus began to do and teach, he continued to do through his apostles and through people just like you and me. Isn't that pretty cool? And so, so this is what he continued to do, a continuation here. Now, many people also believe that Luke, because he was a companion to Paul, that, that this could have been, he was writing this for a defense for Christianity for Paul. Now, I don't know if any of those are exactly true, but I want you to, when you're reading this, this has been studied out. This has been fact-checked. We, listen, you, you can put some money on this. You can put everything you own on this. This isn't just some stories. This is about the basis of the movement that we're a part of and how it began. That's the preface to the God lovers out there. So as we read this, we're seeing what they believed produced this behavior. You tracking me? You, you get, I want you to keep that in your mind. So that's the preface. Now let's move into the promise. Verse 4. Once when he, that's Jesus, was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Yeah. Oh, it's, I mean, right here, it starts to get good. Come on, how many of y'all like the pro, like, like promises? Come on, I like promises. I like guarantees. And Jesus, when he says, I'm going to give you a promise, he's going to deliver. We have a promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that a good promise? No matter how far and how messed up you are, Jesus will never leave you. Come on, isn't that good? Yeah. He doesn't. He's there. He says, I'm not going to forsake you when you're walking in obedience and love. So he says, okay, wait. Be steady and endure. How many of you have a hard time waiting? Okay, I, I do. Sometimes I just have a hard time waiting. I mean, I will drive miles out of my way rather than wait for two minutes in traffic. Okay? And I just like to keep moving. And I'm just going to tell you, I never ask God for patience because I'm, I'm afraid he's going to do some stuff to help me get it. Okay? And so wait. He says, be steady, endure. But this word baptized, remember, there's two different things here. John baptized with water, and Jesus is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool? Be completely submerged. So when we say at Bridge City Church, we always refer to a couple weeks ago, we did water baptisms. And many people, many people have come forward and said, why do you always say water baptism? Because we want to distinguish you're getting water baptized different than Holy Spirit baptized. No, see, there's two different things. That's all. And I'm showing you verses here that that say it in the Bible. So there's two different things. But this last one here, he says, when he says, do not leave, what he's really communicating here is do not separate from each other. You got to catch this. 
It's not just like, okay, we got to wait. I mean, you, you, you have to admit, when, they, when he said wait, they weren't even really totally sure what they were waiting for. But he says, okay, wait. But he says, but the connotation here is it's not good enough for you to wait. He's saying, we got to wait together. We got to be together. That's the connotation of this promise because the promise isn't only for you as an individual. It's for us as God's people. See, many people want the promises of God as individuals, but I believe even here in this promise of Jesus here, he's saying, I want to give you all something. So we need a all to be a part of all something. So this is what he's saying here. He's saying, so don't leave. And so now, now I'm not going to get into the, the depths of baptism and the Holy Spirit, but we will over the next two weeks. But I want to personally invite you to come to our Grow Power Conference on Saturday, January 15th at our North Braddock campus. Whoever wants to come and be trained trained in the basics of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's going to be like a 101, 201, what do we do with the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is not something to be feared, but revered. It's, it, the Holy Spirit is something that was given to help us. How many of y'all could use some help? Okay, I, I need all the help I can get. And so I'm, I'm asking you to come. It's free. But we want to train you and equip you in the word of God so you can experience the power and the presence and the progression of God's Holy Spirit in your life. That's why we want to help you. So write down that date, Saturday, January 15th, 9 a.m. till 12.15. We're going to be training and equipping and helping people. There's going to be different, different sessions you can go to. Because listen, we are not going to be ignorant of the things of God. We are not going to do, we're not going to be that. That is not going to be defined of us. Okay, so after the promise comes the program. Now, how many of you, when you go to maybe a play or musical, you, you, get, you get a program? You all get a program? I, even if I'm, I'm going to a wedding and they're handing out little programs, I want to look at the program. Are you with me? I want to know who the players are. And if it's a wedding, the first thing I do is I assess how long is it going to be until I eat. Come on. Anybody like me out there? The first thing you do is, okay, how many people are going to take to walk down the aisle? How long is it going to be until we eat? Okay, I'm, I'm just confessing, okay? Now, now so you, but the program tells you what's going to happen. The program tells you who the players are. The program tells you what's going to happen. What can you expect? Okay, and so the program. So Jesus, right here at the beginning, he, he's still alive. He's still here. He says, okay, here's, here's the program. So when the apostles were with Jesus, verse 6, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? They were asking for a political move here. They were saying, will you release us from these tyrants politically? And people say that the Bible only speaks to 2,000 years ago. Just a thought. He replied, the Father alone has authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses telling me to people everywhere in, Ju in Jerusalem, Ju Judea, Samaria, and to the 
<laughs> the ends of the earth. Come on. This is what he says. He says, okay, okay, here's the program now. The program is this. See, they had a misconception it was going to be a political kingdom. In reality, Jesus communicated three things here. He states that this, that his kingdom is spiritual in nature, international in membership, and gradual in expansion. Did you catch that? Spiritual in nature. We, we, we have a kingdom of God that's spiritual. It's international in membership. There's all kinds of people from different ethnicities and everything, everything like that. And it's gradual in its expansion. This is the way God works. Isn't that pretty cool? She says, here's the program. Here it is right here. Now, people say, like, like when are the end times, pastor? Is it the end times? And I know this. So let me just tell you that my answer to this. this is the end times. Today, we are one day closer to the end times than we were yesterday. Okay, I mean, Jesus says it's not for you to know the times. It's not for you to know the dates. Listen, what I believe Jesus is saying, don't get, don't get messed up on the, the time and the date, but just get ready. Let's get ready. Let's get ready for what he wants to do here. This is so important here. You will receive power. So basically, Jesus is saying here, don't leave home without it. What's in your wallet? That's what he's saying right now. What's in your wallet? Don't leave home without it. See, people want cash back. How about getting some power back? Come on, somebody. I'm not looking for cash back. I'm looking to get some power back. I'm looking to get some of the presence of Jesus back. Anybody there? That's what I'm looking for. So don't leave home without it here. Power is dunamis. It's a power. Like, who doesn't want the power of God in their lives? And we're going to continue to uncover this over the, next, over the next weeks and weeks. But this expansion to the gospel, again, I want to give you an outline now of this verse, how it affects the rest of the book of Acts. First of all, in chapters 1 through 7, it speaks to Jerusalem. Now, like, I want you to put yourself in, in the story here. In the story, they're like, listen to Jesus, like, like Jesus, he, he resurrected from the dead at this point. Like, I'm clinging to every word. How about you? Wouldn't you be like, like, I'm, I'm, you got me. I'm in. And he's like, I want you to go to Jerusalem. And he's like, does he know that's where they just killed him? So you want us to go back to the place where the angry mob just killed you? Mm-hmm. So here's the first seven chapters there. And then he says Judea and Samaria, chapters 8 through 12. Judea is a place where they rejected Jesus' ministry. Jesus, are you sure you want us to go to places where they rejected you? Mm-hmm. Samaria was considered a bunch of impure half-breeds. I'm not being sarcastic with that. I'm being honest. They, they intermarried. The Jewish people intermarried. So they were like, like, who would go to Samaria? Really? You want us to go there? Then it gets better. Then he says to the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth are all about the Gentiles, those who are far from God. So, so what he says here, the rest of the book of Acts outlines what he said here and what they did because they had a belief system that was spiritual in nature, gradual in expansion. Are you with me? International in membership. Because they believed that, they were going to do something with it. So I want you to catch that. The Gentiles, they were considered dogs. Like, like, like I don't think you get what Jesus is communicating here. 
He is communicating something so earth-shattering, brain-crunching, like, you know that little emoji, like, ah. Like, they would be like, really? And so they, they, they still have him. So, so this is the program. This is the program that I want you to be so filled with, with the presence of God that everywhere you go, people are going to know about Jesus Christ. Amen. Isn't that good? Amen. I think that is so, so awesome. But I'm going to tell you right now what we need in Jesus' church. We need a little less adrenaline and a little more anointing. We need a little less cool and a little more charismatic. That's right, I said the word charismatic. In the purest sense of the word. Okay? What we need is a little less hype and a little more Holy Spirit. Is anybody with me right now? That's what we need. That's what we're looking for. But the Holy Spirit will light you. We use this term all the time. It's going to light you on fire. Let me just say this. Most Christians go their whole entire life so afraid that they're going to burn out that they never catch on fire. Listen, I'd, I'd, I'd rather have wildfire than no fire. Have you ever been cold? Come on, no, I, I, I would. I would rather have something of substance than nothing. And he's saying here, this is the substance. So here is the prediction. Are you following? The outline is moving. The prediction. After saying this, verse 9 He was taken into a cloud where they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And it's straining, they looked up, and there's two guys, two men with white robes suddenly. Men of Galilee, why are you standing here, staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken up from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. Could you see they're all excited. Jesus came back. They're still excited about the kingdom. And then all of a sudden, he's talking with them. And all of a sudden, it's like. (laughs) Then two guys in a white robe. Why are you standing here gazing? Literally, that's, I mean, they're just, they're like. Like, why are you, Jesus told you what to do. Why are you standing here gazing? It reminds me of my dad. He's, he's home in heaven right now. My dad always used to say this when I was a kid. He was, he was like, when we'd be doing something and I'd be just standing idle, he'd say, don't just stand there, do something. Just do something. I got that. So when I was doing this, when I was writing these notes, I could still hear my dad. Just don't just stand there, do something. Don't just stand there. Sometimes he'd say, even if it's wrong, just do something. I'd rather you do something than just stand there gazing. Come on, somebody. Like, just, 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 don't, there's no need to stand gazing anymore. But here he goes. He ascends here. And, 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 and they're looking down. But I want to tell you, here's the prediction. Jesus said, he's coming back. Amen. Do you realize what I believe? That this, is, this verse defines the beginning of the end times. The beginning of the end times started here. Stop gazing. We're going to go do something together. That's here. So how he left is how he's going to return. Track me. He left suddenly. He's going to come back suddenly. He left visibly. He's going to come back visibly. He left physically. He's going to come back physically. 
He left at the beginning of the church. He's going to come back at the consummation of the church. I believe he left his disciples. He's going to come back for his disciples. That's what I believe. So this verse tells us a lot about when Jesus comes again. Suddenly, visibly, physically, for a victorious church and for his disciples. Come on, if that doesn't excite you on January 2022, I don't know what's good, what does. And I don't know about you, I don't know the day, I don't know the time, but I want to be ready for that suddenly. I'm going to be ready, and I'm not going to go, oh, don't come back yet, Jesus, I have so much more to do. Uh, see, you've you got to get a better picture of heaven. Heaven is going to be so much fun. I'm serious. Heaven's going to be a blast. You know, I mean, I mean it's just like, it, it's so, listen, it, it's, it's just, it's just going to be, I can't explain to you. I just get lost in it. It's going to be so, so, so good. So awesome. New bodies. Ruling and reigning. How many of you are looking forward to a new body? Yeah. A new one. Come on. In heaven, rejoicing with him and in him. Wow. So the next thing he does when he moves out of the prediction, he moves into, here it is, the next part, the prayer meeting. The prayer meeting. Then the apostles, verse 12, returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of a half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Now, why did, see, I want to point out something. Why was it significant to write half a mile? It's because it was the Sabbath, and, and, and they weren't permitted to travel on a Sabbath over three quarters of a mile. You couldn't travel more, you couldn't walk more than three quarters of a mile on the Sabbath. So that means like after we were done worshiping here, if it was a true Sabbath in a Jewish context, you could only go as far as hosses to eat. That's as only far. You want to go farther? Mm-mm. Now you could stop at Sheets because it's in there. Get yourself a hot dog, two hot dogs for a dollar. But you can't, you, you couldn't go farther than that. So, so, they, so but, but I, I want to, I want to point out, they returned. They went and did what he asked them to do. I, I want you to see this over and over and over here. They went. They started doing this. Okay, on down farther in verse 14, they all met together and were constantly united in prayer along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. So cool here. Verse 14, key verse. Verse 8, actually, I believe personally is the key verse to understand the rest of the book of Acts. Here's another good one. I don't think it's the one. But verse 14, united in prayer. What does it mean to be united? I mean, it's unanimous. It's all in. It's to be in agreement. It's mutual consent. It's having one mind, one purpose. It's being in harmony. May I suggest to you, you do not have harmony unless you have action. See, harmony is seen by your action. It's like when, when, when a team breaks the huddle, you see if they're in harmony or not by the way they run the play. They went immediately 
and did what Jesus said. They went and they waited. They had a prayer meeting. They were going to unite their hearts in prayer. So the same people that were tax collectors, fishermen, had disagreements through the, through the gospels. Now, because of a resurrected Jesus, they put aside their differences because there was a greater purpose and cause. Wow. That's the first things they did was they prayed. They prayed. They believed God. Now, I saw this recently. I just want to share it with you. It really encouraged me, and it challenged me all in one. And it was, um, it's by a pastor from Texas. Gerald Brooks said this on, when I was with, with him. He, he said this to a gathering about this size, and it really, really struck me. And I thought, wow. He, he stated that 80% of our prayer is about problems. If there wasn't problems, we probably wouldn't have prayer. That really struck me. And I started thinking about my own life, and I spend a lot of times praying about problems. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that's, that, 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 that's a way to start. And then he said this. He said 10% is for your family. 5% is because God helped me. I'm going through something, internal struggle. I, can, I do that all the time. Come on. And then there's ministry-oriented. God, we're going to go do this, so we're going to pray together. But only 1% is audacious big prayer. Do you know, one of the things I think God wants us to do is start praying some big, audacious prayers. No, I'm sure, I think God wants us to pray some big, audacious prayers and believe God. Are you with me? Yes. But see, we gotta get, I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for problems. Shouldn't pray, we need to pray for our family, right? But we, that, but we gotta get to the, to the big prayer. Like, I'm just I was encouraged yesterday. There's a longtime member of our church. The only person I, I believe in our church, a whole entire church of all of our locations that ended up in the hospital and on a ventilator because of COVID. In four weeks now, he's, he's been on the ventilator. I've been praying. I, I was with him last week, just sat with him about his bedside, just, just confessing God's word to him and praying out loud, even though he couldn't respond. And um, just got word through his family that uh, he's actually starting to open his eyes and they're giving him a 50-50 chance. And, um, and uh, so I'm going to continue to pray. And I'm praying a big prayer. See, these are the kind of big prayers that we should, we, we, we should be asking for. Is anybody with me? But I want to get to those big prayers. And so that January 15th, the power conference is going to get you to that big prayer. But let me tell you how else you're going to get to a big prayer. Are you ready? Yes. Are you ready? Yes. Prayer and fasting. Here it is. Next Sunday, we're starting. Next Sunday, we're going to start fasting. That means you just do without physical food so you can focus on the spiritual. For seven days, seven days, we're going to pray. We're going to fast. And I say, I want to get to big audacious prayers. But I got to get through my, uh, the problem in the family. And we're going to continue to pray for that. But I want to get to the, the big stuff. And so together, and then every night of the week, at one of our different locations, there's going to be a prayer meeting. The Tuesday of that week, we're going to be right here praying. I don't know if you know this or not, but every Sunday we pray together at 8.30 here. Every Sunday at 8.30, I get so fired up praying um, there were people praying early today, and then they went to all the kids' rooms, and they were praying up a storm for the next generation of this church. I mean, that, you're missing out. I'm telling you, you're missing out. There's a great prayer meeting going on. You should come. I mean, even if you don't know how to pray, just come. This is how I learned how to pray. I just went and got around people who prayed. When I came to this, I didn't know anything. I just, I just listened. <laughs> 
I said, man. And then they said, why you stand here gazing? Pray. <laughs> That's how I learned. But we're going to unite our hearts in prayer and fasting. Then at the end of this, on the Saturday night, we're going to have a church-wide worship time. And we're going to pray together. Church-wide worship time in that evening. And I want you to come. I want you to participate. I want you to be a part of this. Because I want to get to the big audacious prayers. Are you with me now? That's what I want. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Before I get to this, let me just, let me just say this. Um, we're going we're gonna to pray as a church to become what we were created to be, not going back to what we used to be. I, I, I'm not praying, God, take us back to here. I'm praying, God, this is the situation we're in because this is what I see in the book of Acts. They wanted a political takeover, and it was like, no, I'm just going to pray for God, you do your part and create us what we should be. Not, we're not going to read all the, we're going to take where we are and use it to launch us there. Are you with me? Just a wild thought here. Okay, okay, Peter. Peter's the one who denied Jesus earlier, and here he goes, um, verse 15. During this time, about 120 believers were together in one place. Peter stood up and addressed them. And, um, and, and here's Peter, like the rough and tumble fisherman. This is the first time out of all the quotes by Peter in the Bible, because he puts his foot in his mouth sometimes, he gets some things right, but this is the first time he starts quoting the word of God. I want you to catch that. I don't care how rough you are, how far from God you are, with God, he can help you understand his word, and you too can learn what Psalm says, because he quotes two different Psalms here. He quotes the word of God. And some of you say, well, that's not me, that's for the teachers, that's for other people. No, you need to get rid of that thinking. You gotta get rid of that. No, that doesn't work. We're gonna be a people who, when Jesus says go do something, we go do it. We obey. And we're gonna be people of the word of God. Because it's fun. People say the word of God's so boring. You're not reading the same word. Oh, you're not reading this book of Acts. It's so filled with so much cool stuff. I mean, wait till we get to chapter five. Some of you are thinking, what's in chapter five? I'm just baiting you along. It's going to be fun. No, see, there's cool stuff that happens, and there's cool stuff in here. And so, so he goes through here, and he continues, and he's quoting Psalms, and he quotes the word of God. And that's what he, I want to point out. If you want a decision-making process, first of all, when God asks you to do something, you have to be willing to do it. The second of all is what do we see in the word of God? What does the Bible say about this? Okay, I'm giving you a decision-making process here. I'm trying to help you. What do we know is in the word of God? Now, this is chapter one, comes before chapter two, when the Holy Spirit shows up. So they didn't have the fullness of the Holy Spirit, but they did have the word of God. But let me make this very clear to you. The Holy Spirit will never ask you to do something that's contrary to the word of God. People come to me all the time and say, the Holy Spirit told me to do something. It's not in this book at all. And I'm like, you have some different spirit. It's not the Holy One. I'm being honest. I, this is how I think. I think like, you're, you're doing something. I have no idea what that is, but that's not here. And you're trying to say it is. And it's not. So here, um, so here, they're, 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 they're going on. It's got to be based on the Word. 
Peter stands up and takes the lead. Now, here's the last part, the last part of this, this chapter. Are y'all, y'all good so far? Y'all happy? How many of y'all are challenged? How many of you are not sure what you are right now, but you are? Come on, I'm, just, I'm, I'm somewhere in between. Come on, here we go. It's, it's the last part of this, it's the first of many problems in the, in, the, in the book of Acts. I don't know if you know this or not, if it wasn't for problems in Jesus' church, probably wouldn't have the Bible like we know it. I'm serious. This is the first problem. Judas was no, like, no longer there. Judas killed himself. And so he was one of the apostles. I'm, I'm just being real here. And so they're like, so Peter stands up and says, we got to do something about this. Peter stands up and says, we got to do something about this, this problem. And he quotes the word of God. He quotes two Psalms. And so, so he says, okay, okay, the word of God, there's prayer, there's obedience so far. They're one heart. So they're like, okay, what are we going to do? He says, you got you to choose a replacement for Judas. And so we got to find somebody that, that walked with us since Jesus' baptism and, and saw him in the, in the resurrection. So they had a clear biblical process. Don't lose this. Come on, are, are you tracking me? They had a clear biblical standard. Track me here. If you want to handle the problems in your life, you got to make sure you're in obedience. You got to make sure you're in prayer. You got to make sure you're in the Word of God. And you need a clear biblical process because they had a problem. And so, so he's 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 going on here, and um, in obedience here, they had clear biblical verse twenty four, verse twenty four. Then they all did what? They all. Come on, come on, they all, so they all prayed together. So when they had a problem, I'm not, again, I'm not saying problems, prayer's wrong. I'm just saying we can't stop there. Are you with me? So they prayed together. And Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen. And, and, and because Judas isn't here. And so they, they go on here. And so they had a clear biblical process. They got two guys lined up. They got two guys. And they said, okay, here's the two guys. And they did something that's not going to sound real biblical. But what they did basically is they, 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 they threw dice to see who, which one was going to be it. I'm sure they cast lots. That's the, very similar. Draw straws. They, they, and you say, well, that doesn't sound real biblical. To be honest, it sounds a lot more biblical than what I see most Christians making decisions. Because they had a clear biblical process. They prayed. They went back to what they knew according to the word of God. They developed a standard by which they would behave. They found two people. So it would be like this. If you were going to buy a house and there was two houses, both three bedrooms, two baths, 1.2 acres, both the same price, both where you wanted it to be, and you were like, God, I don't know which one, you would say, okay, baby. One, two, three, it's the first house. Four, five, six, it's the second. I'm being honest. I'm just being, no, I'm not saying that's, the best way, but it's the way they did it because they had a clear standard that they, that, that, that they knew biblically. They weren't being ruled with emotion. They weren't being ruled by this is the way I feel. They weren't being ruled by their circumstance. Isn't that a good decision-making process? So they handled the problem and they put them in there. Okay, so here it is. You've been waiting for it now for about uh, 
29 or 39 minutes. Here it is. I'm going to give you a decision-making process. Are you ready? Here it is. Here's a decision-making process. We got to be people in prayer and devotion. Do you know what I'm still doing? I'm still waking up every day and I read two Psalms. I just read them. Get, get my heart right, get my head right. And then what I do is I go and read another chapter. Just as a devotion, not study, not trying to get you to teach, not teach something. I'm just going to spend time with Jesus. I just talk to him. I'm just going to develop a devotion. I'm not going to make a resolution. I'm going to make a decision. A decision that this is what my, because of what I believe about God, this is will define my behavior. And then I'm going to walk in unity and fellowship to Jesus' church. Because Jesus left his disciples at the beginning of the church. He's going to come back at the completion of the church. And so I'm just a thought. You should be a part of a church if you want to be a part of him coming back. Is that overly simple? I don't know. Thought? Huh? Yeah. And I'm going to walk in obedience to God's word. The word of God. And do you know what this is going to give you? A sanctified common sense. I see a lot of sense out there, but I, th I, think, I think God's people could use a sanctified common sense. But when you're in prayer, you're based on the word, you're walking in obedience, you're walking in unity and fellowship, you're going to get a, co a sanctified common sense. How many of y'all would like to go into 2022 with a sanctified common sense? <laughs> I would. If that's you today, could you just stand to your feet with me right now? Just leave that up here. I want you to take a picture of that. You're going you're gonna to be hearing it over and over. The, it, all through the book of Acts, we're going to see over and over they prayed. Over and over they were unity and fellowship. Over and over they were obedient to God's word. What does the word say? Over and over and over and over and over again. And they had a sanctified common sense to live victoriously every day. That's what I want for you, and that's what I want for our church. That's what I'm going to do because I believe in a God who wants to lead us and guide us and take us to a whole new level. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person in this room right now. I pray, Lord God, that they are going to experience you in a great and a holy way, Lord God, in a way that will honor and please you, God. So God, I pray, Father, for this moment that we're going to experience you, Jesus. And I pray for every person that can hear my voice right now that's far from you, God. They're, they're far from you and far from your word, far from who they know they could be in relationship to you. God, may this moment right now be their moment where they, their, their belief system goes back to trusting Jesus Christ and only him for their salvation. So God, I pray for every person here today for an experience with God each and every day in their devotion life. Now, if you're here today, and you do not have a date or a time or a moment where you became a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to offer you today. If you're, you're not sure, there's probably a good chance you don't have it. So I want to offer you today where Jesus Christ becomes the forgiver of your past and the leader to your future and transfer your belief system from what you can do onto what Jesus has done. If that's you today, you'd like Jesus Christ to be in your life in a real way. You want to invite him in to be in charge of your life. That's the best thing we could offer you. I just want you right now, just, just slip up your hand right where you are and just say, Pastor, that's me. I could use that today. Pastor, that's me. I need that today. Anybody in the house today, anybody at all, just raise your hand and say, Man, Pastor, that's me. I need that. 
anybody at all. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you, Father, for each and every person here that knows you in a personal way. Lord, I pray, Father, that next Sunday and this next Sunday and the next Sunday and the 25 next Sundays that we have, that there's going to be many people responding to that, that, that call. And use us to do it, God, in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Now, at this time, we're going to sing a song. We're going to end in song together. We're going to end in unity and fellowship. And we're going to sing a song. It's kind of one of my favorites about God's going to renew us and purify us for his purposes. And I want to invite you to just come up front and worship with me. And let's worship together. We're just going to take a full song. Yeah, we're worshiping a lot today. What better way to start today? Come on. So if you want, come on up. But I just want us to, in desperation, worship Jesus right now. Come on. I'm inviting you to go beyond what feels comfortable on the outside. Saying, God, this is as far as I go with worship. And I'm saying, come on up front. Or let's move beyond yourself and say, God, God, let this song refine us. Renew us, Lord God, for your purpose. Come on, are you, come on, don't, don't just stand in the world worship. Why are you stand there gazing? Let's honor God together. Come on. Come on, no, no. Let's honor God together. Come on.